Welcome to the Chicago Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Kitley, and I created this platform to have an opportunity to interview women who I look up to and admire in order to inspire other women. Telling our stories to one another is how we connect on a deeper level, and knowing there are women who have gone before us and led the way is what gave me hope and motivated me in all aspects of my life. My intention is that it will do the same for you. Today, I have Julie Smolanski, humanitarian, survivor, warrior, CEO of Lifeway Kiefer, in 2014 named one of Fortune Magazine's 40 Under 40, author of the Kiefer Cookbook, co-founder of Test 400,000K, and mom. Holy cow. (laughs) And a lot more accolades to follow. Um, Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's so fun. I'm so honored to be here. It is just amazing. I mean, we were talking before we got started about how life comes full circle. And I truly do believe that. And having the opportunity to be here in person with you, I've admired you from afar um, for many years, and um, not only as a woman, but an advocate and a businesswoman in particular, and had come across you at um, a resilience gala, formerly known as Rape Victim Advocates, mm-hmm. and I um, was a client there almost 20 years ago after being um, sexually assaulted as a random act of violence on the streets sorry. of Chicago. I'm sorry to hear that. Thank Thank you. Um, And that was a life coming full circle moment, too, to be able to come back and do fundraising for the organization and then to see Hunting Ground Uh at the gala. um, And Lifeway Kiefer was also sponsoring the event. Mm -hmm. So I saw you from afar and um, I would just love to hear. There's so many aspects of your story I want to dive into today, but I really want to hear about it, you know, starting off, I don't really do small talk. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get right to it. Time is precious. Yes. Um, how did you become involved in some of the documentaries? I know you've done three right. as a producer, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, um, I have a fourth one on its way. <laughs> do you want to plug that? What is the um, name? Not yet. Okay. It's not right. Well, maybe. Maybe we'll see. Okay, maybe we'll see where it goes. Time. <laughs> um, Hunting Ground. It yeah. was so amazing and um, breaking the silence um, and stigma associated with sexual assault, especially on college campuses. Definitely. I'm so proud of that film because it um, was one of the driving forces for the Me Too movement. And um, that film highlighted the cover up of sexual assault, much like uh, the Invisible War cover highlighted the cover up on in the military. Mm -hmm. And so it started with the conversation around military cover up and then it moved into more civilian, you know, conversation in the cover up of institutional, you know, just overall the institutional um, power that is exerted. And, uh, you know, again, these cover ups. So, you know, the hunting ground then uh, inspired over 300 uh, investigations across the country into the most powerful institutions, you know, Harvard, Mm. Stanford, um, Notre Dame. Um, And it led to a conversation. It led to the Me Too movement and uh, things will never be the same. And, you know, honestly, I've worked in this space for 30 years as an advocate myself and uh, an activist. And um, I think that, you know, for so long, it's it has been very much a taboo topic and one that's been very hard to have a conversation around. And. Um, 
you know, there have been very few people in the space. Like it was very much underground of a conversation, I think. And, you know, to bring it to light and put a light on it and Mm -hmm. the darkest things that happen in our society, um, which is really hard. It's not like the most fun conversation to have, but it's the most important one, I think. Um, It's a conversation that's been since the beginning of time, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, the the violence against women and um, the inability to hold perpetrators accountable um, and the impact that it has on society, you know, mm-hmm. generational impact. Um, and now we're only learning about, you know, the long term impact and how the brain gets wired, rewired after trauma. So, um you know, it was really important and I'm just really glad that to see like a movement happen, to see in your lifetime something that is ages old and to see it break open and crack open the way that this has, it'll never be the same. And I think that is something I am forever just proud of that mm-hmm. I was a part of this movement. Oh, I love it. I have the chance. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's true. And and as somebody, you know, we need to bring awareness and start talking about it. And yeah. then there's also the healing aspect of it. Right. And so, right. yes, prevention is right. so important, too. And there are a lot of people um, who don't know where to turn or where to go. Right. And um, college campuses, when this is happening there, I think sometimes it can feel very unsafe to get treatment there as well. And not to mention the fact that, you know, a lot of people can't get in for treatment because the waiting list is so long. So long. We have um, under uh, we don't have enough resources for, you know, really to deal with this in the right, adequate way, in the timely, responsive way. Um, And and we you know, this this process is a journey and it's not so check the box done this and done this. Okay, moving forward. It's not Mm -hmm. like that. And, you know, the the community in our, our, our world has to hold space for survivors for life. Um, and, you know, and the needs of a survivor change over the course of, of, you know, life. But like, to your point, I think for me, I've, I've always focused on education and awareness because that was such an important piece Mm -hmm. was just like, and then, and prevention and, um, and then, and justice, like those were the pieces that I had focused on over the 30 years in my career. And I think now I'm more looking at healing, like to your point, um, and the collective healing, because, you know, we've had like millions of disclosures come out in the last couple of years. And then it's like, we're all just holding our breath. And now what, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what's next? How, what's the next step here? And I think we haven't even touched on the healing part. And Mm -hmm. I think if you, you know, we're, we are mirrors to society. So, you know, I've spent some of the time recently just even healing, going back and healing myself. Um, And hopefully then, hopefully somebody else is inspired by that and can do that work mm-hmm. too. Well, and sharing our stories, right. you know, that, and that was, that had, was controversy, you know, right. the Me Too movement was re-traumatizing people and they have this, all of this information and didn't know what to do with it, yep. which then leads me to how I, I eventually ended up meeting you <laughs> through Porchlight Counseling yeah. Services, which was the law and social work um, award that you won Thank for, you. for um, the impact that you have had. And Maria Nano who's the executive um, director of the organization was my college professor and she and I had connected about 10 years ago maybe even less at a different uh, event that was raising awareness yeah. about sexual assault and they have a program called Porchlight Counseling Services right. that offers 
therapy to college um, men and women who have experienced sexual assault and can't see somebody on campus. Um, And so I was one of the contract therapists who were seeing some of the people who were referred to me by Porchlight. So when I went to that Mm. event and then recognized that you were going to be receiving the award, it was one of those moments that was like, I, I just, there's some reason she keeps showing up in my life. Well, maybe it's um, to have this conversation. I think so. And or many conversations. Yeah. And, and you are just, um, you're, you're moving the needle. Thank and you. Well, I hope so. I mean, then I hope that, you know, it's that my life wasn't in, you know, for nothing that, you know, the, my own challenges and struggles that there's lessons to be learned or that, you know, I've, uh, kind of overcome certain things are moved forward and that, you know, I'm at least brave enough to share as much as I can, Mm -hmm. you know, with the rest of the world. Well, you know, I mean, really, honestly, I mean, at some point in my life, I realized that I have an obligation to share as much as I can with the world. Otherwise, what it doesn't do anyone else good to keep this story secret. Mm -hmm. And even though it's hard for me to, to share some of these parts of my life, I still think it's um, it's upon me to be strong enough to do so because, um, you know, I I want to leave a better world for the next generation. And I've always known, like, there's just been this intuitive knowing that it's not just about me and that, you know, this, you know, sexual assault will just keep happening and survivors will live with shame and it's not ours to carry. Mm-hmm. So, um that I th- and I think that shame feels so heavy and it is so debilitating and it has so many tentacles that reach. Um, so I think it's just so important to work on those all the time. And it is really a non it's it's nonlinear. It's mm-hmm. forever that you're you know working. And, and then in the next generation and the next generation, mm-hmm. I think we get stronger and stronger and women get stronger. And um, I think yeah, and young men have to have be part of this conversation. It is absolutely required that that men are part of this conversation too. Um, so I'm just, I'm grateful <laughs> that I've had a part of, of uh, having this conversation. And I'm so happy to see so many more voices in this. Like it gives me um, even a chance to rest a little and feel like, okay, there's a lot of other people now talking about it mm-hmm. where before if it was very isolating, there weren't that many organizations or voices mm. talking about this. And that, you know, you bring up the um, feeling of shame and the association of self-blame. And, you know, I'm also a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And um, thank you. When I came forward with that at the age of 10 um, and told my dad, mm-hmm. I I wasn't believed. And so that idea of, you know, stuff it, we don't talk about it. You did something wrong Um, to then come, you know, 20 years later to another experience Mm -hmm. and then be able to have conversations about this and connect with people. And, you know, we talk about next generation. I have two daughters and two sons, and it is equally as important to talk with my sons about, um, you know, permission and what is okay and what's not okay, especially as my 13 year old is starting to date. Um, Like what's consent? You know, I think it's a really important conversation and boundaries. I mean, I think we should be having these conversations with 
I, I mean, I started talking about this when they were toddlers already. Just in how old age are they now? So my, I have two girls, and they're eleven and nine. They're mm-hmm. amazing. They talk about consent already, <laughs> and boundaries, and good touch, bad touch, private uh, parts. Like they yeah. have all the words, mm-hmm. um, and that's just so important to give the vocabulary to even articulate when something is going wrong, uh, because so many kids don't have the vocabulary even to to they don't know that something mm-hmm. you know, and and the schools aren't necessarily um, teaching this. And so, you know, it's up to all of us to to be, uh, I think, parental to all the young ones in the in the mm-hmm. world and, and just our community. But, you know, I mean, I see this then the years of impact of trauma than I see it today in my career in other ways. Like I see it with um, people's like digestive health. Right. I see the impact mm-hmm. of it in a different light um, in all sorts of ways that it manifests over long term. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, it's it's uh, it's such a big part of our society and it's an epidemic. Right. Mm-hmm. So whereas we're talking about it, like one in three women in the world experience rape or uh, sexual assault or, you know, a physical abuse. Um, and That's huge. are murdered. Yeah. I mean, this is and it's global mm-hmm. and the numbers are the same. It knows no boundaries between you know, racial uh, ethnicity or a social economic status. Like it's across the board. It doesn't discriminate. It doesn't discriminate. And we all know survivors. We all know. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it's, Mm. uh, but, but we could also, um, I think just have more empathy and compassion Mm. for, um, for survivors. Absolutely. Create more resources and, you know, places to heal and resources mm-hmm. for students and um, and just ongoing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, because we're recording at a radio station, I think it's so important to bring up the fact that there was a, a very strong um, performance that I saw on TV um, with the Oscars oh. and um, even driving in this morning, listening to Lady Gaga um, and the song that she wrote um Till it happens to you. And I would love to hear what that was like standing on stage in solidarity with other survivors um, at the Oscars. Well, that was probably one of my life highlights. Uh, Well, Joe Biden, Vice President (laughs) Joe Biden introduced us uh, at the Oscars, which was massive. Um, uh, Practicing, you know, and rehearsing, we were locked in to like sequestered basically for two, three days while we were practicing with Gaga and she was amazing. And, uh, you know, it was that moment was the moment that I actually myself came out kind of to the world as a survivor, mm-hmm. though I had worked in the space for 30 years. I'd never, you know, shared my story. I mean, with friends and whatnot, but not. And I not publicly, all, yeah, not publicly. Mm-hmm. And I had always known that I had wanted to at some point, you know, I but I didn't know if it was going to be a book, like a memoir or a, an op ed or something and, and when um, or how. And then five days before the Oscars, uh, the producers called. They knew that I was also I wasn't one of the executive producers on the film and they asked if I wanted to join. And I was like, this is my moment. If you're going to come out doing it with Gaga at the Oscars is a good time to do it. Mm. And it was really powerful because it was, you know, it was 50 of us plus Gaga. So 51. And um, it was uh, iconic. And that global platform, I mean, before we were even off the stage, it was already 
the running headline in China and people were sending me um, screenshots of the news in China of all of us on stage. So, so powerful. It was so powerful. And, you know, my line of sight was Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> and Kate Winslet and they were in front of me. And when I was walking toward, you know, the, the, all the seats have the various actors names on it for mm-hmm. the arrangements. And so just during the rehearsals, I had just the names written on the chairs that I was watching. I was like, this is surreal. And then when it was actually happening, it was just unreal to look out into this audience of iconic faces and then see that they were looking at me and the world was and things I, you know, I really didn't know what was going to be on the other side of that uh, the next day or what the response would be. And the next day I was just like lots of media that I you know, really wasn't expecting, but um, it gave me a platform to talk mm-hmm. about it. And uh, a lot of other folks. And again, that's, I think what led to that me too movement. And the fact that they saw that the world kind of saw the collective of It wasn't a one-off, you know, we've had people share Mm -hmm. disclosures over all forever, but you know, the one-offs and having all of these people all at the same time Mm -hmm. doing it was, I think, where the power came from. And then, you know, a few months later, everything else changed. So, you know, to be a part of that, I feel like was an iconic moment in history that I was so proud and um, I, I, I guess gratitude that I had worked and put myself into places to be a part of that mm-hmm. was really special. Well, to to be somebody who was watching it at home <laughs> with with her, with Lady Gaga on white yeah. and the white piano, yeah. I mean, and crying and yeah. just the, feeling that powerful. Yeah. I can only imagine what it was, it was like really in real life yeah. I, <laughs> as I, you I experience, still, you know, can, like, mm. think about it all the time. And then the vice president wanted to meet all of us after and he um you know had some private time with each of us i had spent some time with i've worked on the white house um it's on us campaign yes Uh i had already worked with his team so he had already known of me and and had um worked with me but um you know he was just so great because he said everything like you'd want your father to say to you if you know you were having a conversation around Mm. this and he was incredible it was incredibly restorative uh the the words that he had shared with Mm. me and i I don't know what he said with the other folks (laughs) but um he was uh it was a very uh, moving moment in my life Mm. i think that's a great great transition at this point too how old are you I'm 44. <laughs> You're 44 and the life you've lived, um, you know, and at the, you have done a lot. And, you know, at the age of 27, became the CEO of Lifeway Kiefer um, and took over this company that your parents had started as as refugees. Um, and I, I mean, I don't even have the words. I, I am somebody who, you know, constantly hustles and and loves making connections and collaborating and partnering. And um, I can only imagine what it's like behind the scenes. But to be here at 44 and say, you know, at 27, you took on this huge endeavor and your brother um, is the CFO. Is that correct? Uh, COO. COO. Um, And I know your mom is a huge part of it. And 
family business in and of itself. <laughs> very hard, very challenging. I don't really recommend it. Yeah, it, you know, and I grew up in Chicago in the bar and restaurant business. And so we, our family, you know, my sisters and I branched away from that and started a wellness studio. Um, but that is something that, you know, has its own perks as well as sure. challenges right. being in family business. Mm-hmm. But you really stepped up to the plate. And I think that that's something that I've been so mesmerized by that somebody asks and you say yes. And here you were, somebody who went to UIC like Mm -hmm. myself and studied psychology and were working at at the company. And then Mm -hmm. your dad passed away and you rose to the occasion. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, for me, it was like at that moment that failure wasn't an option. And um, I had to push through and I had to do everything I could to make sure that what my parents started wasn't for nothing and Mm. uh, that all that we had worked for over the course of our life in America. So we arrived in Chicago in 76 um, from the former Soviet Union. We were the first of 48 families that were settled here in Chicago. Um, My mom learned English watching General Hospital. Oh, my gosh. Um, So, you know, it it was, um, you know, I was one and uh, they've had a very they had a very challenging life and they worked really hard. And I just wanted to make sure that I could stabilize everything. And, you know, I thought about how challenging it was for them and that I was educated in the United States and I had some foundation underneath me. I had a network. Mm -hmm. I had, you know, some people that I could ask for support. Whereas they came with like nothing, $116 and not any language skills or re- and you're starting from scratch mm-hmm. from day one with, in your 20s with an infant in a new country with no ling. I mean, it's just so mind boggling every time I think about how crazy that is. Um, and they were already traumatized, too. I mean, they are children of the war, war mm-hmm. in the place where war, you know, World War Two. My grandparents were survivors of the Holocaust. My great grandparents were murdered in the Holocaust. So, you know, this is like all very fresh for my family. So, you know, this company was everything to me. And. Um, not just the company, but what we were doing, which was, you know, healing people's bodies uh, with our ancient, you know, recipes that came from the region of the Soviet Union that we were able to bring back here to the States. And it did really become part of this whole like healing, healthy lifestyle. Um, And something that I personally leaned into to get me through was my healthy lifestyle. Um, Always. I'd always Mm -hmm. been um, very conscious of that. And Yeah, I mean, you know, I'd already been through so much. So, you know, doing working within the company, honestly, it was very hard. It was a huge (laughs) endeavor, big lift. I'm still (laughs) doing it. But, um, you know, I think just compared to everything else, compared to, you know, facing death uh, of your apparent or facing just the other challenges that I have overcome, or continue to overcome, um, mm-hmm. I feel like it was easier than those. <laughs> it was easier than the other life challenges in some ways. Um, and, you know, it, it was interesting because it was, I had like a sense of control around it. Like work and career mm-hmm. and education was within my control and other things necessarily weren't. And so that was powerful for me. I remember reading somewhere about that, you know, that you were saying, look at what my parents have gone through. If they can do that, 
I can take over this company. Yeah. It's like, that's great cognitive restructuring. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's true. It's mm-hmm. like, I, you know, what am I going to pity myself? Like, you know, mm. it's, it, yes, it was hard. You know, I didn't have like the normal 20s upbringing, you know, ever, even mm-hmm. when they were alive. Or just the normal childhood. I think about my childhood was just absolutely bizarre too. And like being able to play within two, um, like two groups, like the American group and then the immigrant group, is was a skill set too. Mm-hmm. And like navigating those two various cultures, like it was, uh, it was challenging. And it's something that so many immigrant children go through. And I'm not unique that way. I mean, our country is a nation of immigrants. So at some point, everyone has to struggle with that, like assimilation versus staying within the culture. And since my family's businesses were so connected to our culture, um, it was, it was hard, but you know, again, something that I learned to move between various groups and be uncomfortable all the time. So always overcome that feeling of being uncomfortable and that you can either decide to stay safe or be uncomfortable. And I've just decided to always go to the uncomfortable place. And even if it's so scary to keep going there and you think like bravery is a muscle. Mm -hmm. So every time I think about, wow, this is really scary. I don't know if I can do it. I just, you just need a few minutes of bravery to get through it, whatever that moment, a speech, a, you know, mm-hmm. TV appearance, mm-hmm. a, a meeting, whatever that is, a, a social media post. Sometimes, sure. you know, I'm sharing things and I'm like, I don't know, this is a lot or I don't, you know, whatever. And and so just, just having a little minute of bravery and then every time over seeing that, oh, I survived that, you know, that I lived mm-hmm. and then you get better and better mm-hmm. at it and you can do more things. And then, then you make no small plans and you say, I'm going to end violence against women or I'm going to do, you know, you, you make big plans. You make big, because then it's like, well, why think small? Just let's just aim for the stars. Yeah. And that's exposure therapy, continuing <laughs> to step up and do yes. things that make you uncomfortable to um, help not have that feeling un- uncomfortability. I mean, yeah. it still is no matter which platform you might yeah. be on, but trusting that you're doing what you were meant to do. Yes. And I have to ask you, though. How do you go from $12 million in revenue to $121 million in revenue over the course of 15 years? I mean, that is a 720% increase in (laughs) revenue. Thank you. Thank you. Um, A lot of hard work. (laughs) There's a lot of hard work behind that. Sleepless days and nights Um, for many, many years. Uh, from a lot of people, an amazing team, um, really, really hardworking, hardworking team. Um, you know, I read uh, The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell Same. like a yep. hundred years ago <laughs> when my father was even still alive. And I sort of charted out a plan based on that book. And I've continued to stick with it today. That's influencer marketing, I guess, is, yeah. you know, basically what we're talking about. But that that um, book was uh, transformative for my business and uh, for Lifeway and for the category. I mean, we created this category and it was really, it was based on some of those principles. And um, then of course, you know, just the natural food movement, people, our our world is starting to make that connection that, Mm -hmm. you know, the food you eat is either the best medicine or the slowest poison. Um, And that was, uh, that's a pretty powerful message too, that, you know, it's, it's a bigger conversation we're having around just food and boundaries and, self-care mm-hmm. and choices and um, the fact that, you know, you can choose to make 
good choices or you can choose to make not great choices and there's consequences to those and Mm -hmm. we live with them and it's about you know quality of life and you know how to reduce um suffering in the world is a big piece of what i'm here to do i think and my work with lifeway and what Mm -hmm. you know our customers kind of report that they feel better that when they consume you know kefir and Mm -hmm. our ancestors felt the same way 2000 years ago and it's just so cool to see kind of history repeating itself in some ways where what we knew intuitively in our gut that you know the way that we eat and that the kefir specifically healed our bodies our gut um that now science and research is backing that up. Mm -hmm. So the most interesting things that are happening right now is this idea that you can manipulate your mental health through some of the foods that you eat, specifically Mm -hmm. within the gut. There's uh, 90% of the serotonin in the gut is made in the gut. And then that's where, you know, the communication happens with the brain. So we can reduce stress, depression, and anxiety um, by a simple choice, like, you know, consuming healthy probiotics Mm -hmm. that are found like in kefir. So now it's like come full circle for me because what I went for school for psychology and um, for helping folks with more mental health, I do that now in my career. And I sort of thought that I was leaving that space Mm -hmm. to some extent. I mean, I'd always been interested in how people made decisions around food, um, what what was but more like around advertising and how it affected dieting behavior and um And so here I am now, 20 years later, Mm -hmm. kind of back to what I originally started studying. Uh, But it's fascinating. I mean, this this field has evolved so much. um, And that intersection is really, really interesting to me. Um, And we see that when people um, are encouraged to practice self-care and treat their their bodies well, and I'm, I'm talking what you eat, how you rest, what you say to whole yourself. Health. It's, it's all whole you health. Move, it's all connected. Everything. It's yeah. all interconnected. Mm-hmm. Your spiritual mm-hmm. wellness, your relationships wellness, um, all your relationship with yourself. It's all interconnected. Um, and and uh, so it's just so remarkable to see a bigger conversation that it's not just about, you know, mm-hmm. fat and calories and, you know, the, ba- the, the stuff, the conversations around food from the 80s. It has just evolved so mm-hmm. much. Now. And it's a lifestyle. It's, a it's lifestyle. not go on this crash yeah. diet or yeah. eliminate this. Yes, and- right. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the other thing I was going to say. It's not about the deprivation. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is about what you can put in that feels good. And um, and the fact that now people report when they participate in these various acts of self-care, they actually feel better. And, and that's very powerful, that it's not a pill that we're mm-hmm. offering people, that it's actually a bigger it's, – it's not a – a quick fix. Mm-hmm. It's an investment. And it's a fun thing to do. I think, you know, <laughs> this is the masterpiece of life. This is fun. Yes. It, please know? expand on that because there are probably people listening that, that think, gosh, it's so hard. It's so hard. And, yeah. and you know, we haven't even delved into to body healing, you know, in terms of like, I know we've both run marathons yeah. and engage in yoga. And, yeah. you know, a lot of times people say, I just don't have the time. And, and <laughs> as you're speaking about Lifeway, I'm thinking, no wonder when I go to Trader Joe's and get, you yeah. know, bottles of Lifeway, I'm like chugging the mango <laughs> bottle. So I good. love it. And it's healing your body. Yeah. I mean, it's it feels good. Right. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Well, that's they said the the my ancestors 2000 years ago said that it was a gift from the gods. 
So it it's got so much folklore. <laughs> Cleopatra bathes in it. So yeah, it's got a lot of folklore. It's got. Should uh, we bathe in it? We should absolutely. <laughs> it's great for the skin. It glows. You glow. Yeah. Well, you know, it's um, it is a very uh, special special uh, product that that just it, it and it's bound in like ancient stories and I think it's so cool because we we've been um, doing a lot of yoga classes with our communities and kind of bringing people the full experience mm-hmm. of, of the brand and um, we're practicing these ancient poses with this ancient you know product and making it relevant for two you know 2020 um, and making it fun I you know yeah I think you know again with with moving your body or finding time this is the thing about boundaries and learning where you need to put your own oxygen mask on and that you're not effective in the world if you're not taking care of yourself and for me this is the non-negotiable that i have to be able to sweat and work out a little bit mm-hmm. every day um move your body get outside you know and this is where the boundaries come in mm-hmm. that knowing no, I need to do this or mm-hmm. no one's going to benefit of, you know, a rundown individual. Although I am somewhat rundown, but my self-care is, I'm aware. Well, I'm and, aware. and to give people an example of what boundaries and self-care look like, you yeah. know, that when I reached out and asked you to come on the podcast, um, being able to say, you know, I need you from nine to 10. And you said, uh, and then I said, gosh, but I could really use you for 10 hours. And you said, well, I have a yoga class to get to at 1045. And that is a boundary that I respect immensely and that you put those things in place because you're absolutely right. When you are, um, we are as women and just as people in the world, you know, so busy and so overconsumed and and so exposed to so many different things. Mm -hmm. We need to put our blinders on and focus on what's right in front of us sometimes and just slowing down. Absolutely. And to me, it's like, it's almost an act of defiance against culture because our culture would like us to not take care of ourselves. It's kind of in our culture's best interest to have us feeling like we don't have boundaries and that, you know, the world can just come in and out of us without us saying, no, like I need this. And, um, you know, you could, you, it's so easy to let it all slip off the calendar, you know, sleep for me has always been a hard one. Um, uh, and and just resting and finding that space to be still has always been a challenge for me. So that's something I have to work on. Mm-hmm. For someone else, it might be something else. Um, but but uh, you know, being able to say uh, this has to come first, uh, or it has to be fit somewhere in that schedule, mm-hmm. or when I'm traveling, like you travel knows. all the time. I Where, do what are you doing? Lot. So um, we're always launching a new product or a new market or, you know, I'm always like promoting something. Um, I spend a lot of time working with media, working with investors, working with various partnerships. Um, you're amazing. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I mean, <laughs> you are the, I have a, you're the Jill of all trades. Thank you. Well, I and you're self-taught. Team. I am self, mm-hmm. mostly self-taught. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, I've I've had great mentors. I've had great role models. Who? Um, Who do you look up to? I mean, I look up to Oprah. Uh-huh. I mean, she. I feel like she was like uh, so inspirational for me. She was the only one talking about some of these issues around yeah. abuse in the 80s and 90s. And she was the only one that I could look to as a survivor mm-hmm. that was um, kind of in the public eye. And she was doing really great. And so I kind of followed her. I was like, well, I'm going to like hang on to her for dear life. Um, and she has been transformative for me 
um, as a as a figure. Um, but you know, there's I, there's so many, there's so, and we need to we need highlight. to fill our social media feeds with people who do inspire us. Absolutely, and, you know, not looking at it as a oh that person's better than me or they're doing oh, no. so much more than me, and you know that's a lot of what I hear from my clients. Oh, really? You know, the comparison yeah. factor. I but, mean, I feel like a rising tide raises all ships, and if you just I try to move I with love, love through all of that and I feel like I'm you know we're not in uh, competition with anyone else it's in our best interest for all women to rise because that'll create a healthier and safer world for our children and our um, next generations uh, it's really important that as many women as possible reach the highest level of uh, power financial status you know, female titans is what I hope to make a lot of female <laughs> titans um, because that, you know, it's who has power and control in our country, who gets to make policy decisions, who gets to make budget decisions around resources, don't, you know, devoted to, you know, the issues that we're talking about, wellness, mm-hmm. violence, care, health, well, you know, all these things. What conversations are we having? Who's behind a camera tv camera who's in front of the tv tv camera what stories are being told it all matters and it's all contagious energy government you know Mm -hmm. who's in who's in the government who's making laws it's all it's just so big and so yeah i mean i so i feel like there's a lot of work it's hard for me to rest because i feel very like i don't know responsible (laughs) i don't know like i have so much work to do um which is why it's probably hard for me to rest because i do have just so much pressure on myself. I put it on you myself. You put it on yourself. I put it on myself. Well, is that, you know, and I talk a lot about spirituality, yeah. you know, and that being different from religion. You yes. know, maybe we grew up in a certain yes. religion, whether it's Catholic or Judaism or Muslim, um, but being able to focus on something bigger than ourselves. Yeah. And I'm so curious, you know, is your yoga and your spiritual practice parallel with that or intertwined or so, Matt, like it controls everything actually my spirituality has really evolved over the years you know I think in my um, teenhood and um, young adulthood I felt that you know my um, let's say religion mm-hmm. um, abandoned me to some extent because I just it's like if all these horrible things are happening in the world then you know, I would say I had an almost angry feeling towards it. Because mm-hmm. how could all these things be happening if uh, if there was this higher power? But I heard something, and just that my journey naturally brought me to some place. And uh, now I feel like I am being carried by a certain I don't know, like a light. Because I mean, the people who I've worked with over my life, uh, various professionals, you know, when, when they hear my story have said, it's a miracle that you're actually even still here. And I've heard that so many times that it's, I've started to embody that, like compare other people's lives to your point of comparison and think, yeah, I actually, when I, now I have perspective Mm -hmm. and time and distance, I can see how, uh, um, and, and the, the uh, intellect to look at the various statistics and realize the various risk factors that <clears throat> exist for me and how uh, it is actually um, pretty <laughs> miraculous that I am here, uh, which is, you know, I'm just full of gratitude that that uh, 
I don't know what what force has come to carry me each next step. Um, you know, in part, of course, my own will, my own uh, grit, my own desire to thrive. Uh, I think, you know, the human spirit just wants to survive, actually. It's primal. Uh, and we know intuitively, you know, how to heal, actually. And being defiant in this self-care piece mm-hmm. is incredibly important. And it says I matter and I um, love myself. And that's probably one of the biggest lessons you can get in life. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. And I, I know you have a Kiefer cookbook that I need I to purchase because I'm not a cook. And my kids are always like, can you, if you uh, can read directions, you can cook. I'll, have to send <laughs> I'll, you I'll get one. And, um, yeah, it's on you, Amazon. <laughs> on Amazon. Or a small book. Okay, great. Yeah, the Kiefer cookbook. So it's, it, you know, it's small little stories using food and kefir as a platform. And I share a lot of things that are important to me. I used the recipes and the product to talk about entrepreneurship, about female leadership, about immigration, about, you know, travel, about things, culture, music, art, whatever, all these various topics that I've been able to incorporate into um, this cookbook. And, and it's almost like memoirish and it's, not just like recipes. Uh-huh. Um, so it's really fun. It's really accessible. It's really easy to, you know, I'm not a trained chef, but I am like definitely grew up in the food world. My family, it's in your blood. I mean, it's in my blood. <laughs> food is everything. Yes. Do food, you, yeah. do you have um, a memoir in you? I do. <laughs> my agent has been asking me to start my, my, um, outline like a a year ago I'm like really dragging my feet on it um you know it'll be it'll probably happen when it's naturally going to happen I have so many notes and (laughs) I still have a few chapters left to live for the the sunsets um Hmm. but yeah I definitely have at least a memoir and maybe a romantic fiction novel (laughs) but that's like in another life down maybe the next decade two decades I'm not sure we'll see and can you tell us about the fourth documentary you're working on yes so the fourth documentary is the same team that did the hunting ground so hopefully this one does win an Oscar um, because the hunting ground was nominated for an Oscar and a Grammy and won the Emmy uh, an Emmy um But this one is about labor and harassment within the workforce, within the workplace. So Mm -hmm. it's very interesting that like the films have evolved from military to college campus to workforce. Um, And then uh, so it's kind of post Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. Um, which is so fascinating to me because Weinstein funded the hunting ground. <laughs> so, well, you know, it's just so fun. It, it's interesting to me that, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, how the predator kind of feels so entitled and just even out right out there, you know, funding Unbelievable. his own mm-hmm. demise, mm-hmm. which it's interesting to me, but in, and uh, probably some psychologists can analyze that <laughs> and figure that out. But, yeah, uh, so it's really exciting. I'm sure um, it's uh, it will be a very uh, buzzworthy film that that will probably go on to hopefully win lots of not only awards but change culture and change conversation and be a platform the way that Hunting Ground is. I mean, 
it's hunting ground is still being screened on high school and college campuses. I have so many parents over and over again tell me my kids are watching hunting ground in school right now. My kids are screening the film. And that is so cool because, you know, it's something that will live on forever. And even when I'm no longer here, it will be there. And it's a tool that, you know, I can do panels and go and talk and talk and talk all the you know, until I'm blue in the face. But this is a film that that now the students are empowered to take and have conversations around. And it's so accessible. You can get it on Netflix, on iTunes, you know, all the different places. And the next film will be the same. I think it's called Labor of Love. But Oprah, actually speaking of Oprah, Oprah and Apple have already picked it up for distribution. Stop. So we're so excited. <laughs> yes, that's huge. It's happening. It's all oh happening. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I want to, like, bottle you up oh. and, and carry you in my pocket. <laughs> Thank um, you. Well, I, you know, I, I have an amazing team who, like, works and swarms around to make it all happen, too. And, like, so it, it's not just, like. You know, no, 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 and and it. yeah, and and you choose people that you know are good at what they do, and I think you know the message that I want people to hear is um, anything's possible, and there has to be a desire, and I think it's it's a combination of the grit and the hustle as well as the universe kind of guiding whatever yes. that passion is. You have to be mindful to even hear those yes. messages to take you to the next step, and to understand your own truth. And I also think it's important to realize there is no way to do, there's no path. There's no right path. The right path is what's right for you, Mm -hmm. for yourself, for your lifestyle. You can do life many, many different ways. And it's up to us to decide that masterpiece Mm -hmm. and create it to what feels good for us. And, you know, it's going to be hard work no matter what you're doing. So you might as well love what you're doing. Mm. And, And the faster you can find that bigger purpose, the better, you know, you feel. And for me, I realize my purpose is to heal myself and that even will heal, help heal the world. And um, I think everyone, I think it's like a lifelong journey that we can all do. And, you know, through Lifeway, we can heal people's bodies. We feed people's bodies, Mm -hmm. you know, to say that I help feed the world. I'm part of this bigger food system and conversation around food. It's, uh, it's really, really meaningful. I'm, so blessed so so blessed that this is my life Mm. even in the harder times um and it's sometimes I lose sight of the fact that you know this is really important work um and that that's what keeps me going in those hard days Mm -hmm. to remember those those uh, you know opportunities and uh what a privilege it is Mm -hmm. absolutely Well, I think I'm going to go get some um, Lifeway kefir and and take a a bath and chug it and rub it all over my kids' bodies. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And we will continue to follow you. You you will continue to inspire me and so many people who hear this. Um, Where can people find you? Um, you could find me like on social media. <laughs> um, uh, I'm at Julie Solansky on uh, Instagram, um, which is probably my more frequent using using uh, platform. And then um, the company's Lifeway Kefir. And we're on all of them, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, oh, Instagram. Gosh. So you can find Lifeway in all the various ways we're sold you know, nationwide and all the various grocery stores. And this was such a fun conversation. And thank you for all you're doing and for creating space for this kind mm. of conversation is very, very powerful. So Thanks. kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you. It's so important. Um, and thank you to everybody for listening. 
please go out there, be who you needed when you were younger, and get out there and wreak havoc on this world. Thanks.